0: Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message.
1: Let's lift your voice tonight. Stir up Him who is in you. Soshtana kasam brakasatya Sishti brakasam sombro kosuyadana kasya, itsa brakasam, mishtana for we belong to you. We do not belong to ourselves. We were bought with a price, and that price is the shed blood of Jesus. And Father, we will glorify you in every area of our lives, in Jesus' mighty name. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Hallelujah. Messiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a left knee being healed right now. Left knee being healed. You who have that pain in your knee, if you just step out in the aisle right now, you're gonna find that knee is being healed. The pain in the left knee is leaving now. That's you. Step out in the aisle, examine yourself. The swelling is going down now. Pain is leaving now. You'll be able to bend it without any discomfort. Where is that person? Wave your hand at me. Praise God. Pain's gone. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it good to wait on the Lord for a moment? Sometimes I wait for a while because I want to know exactly what God wants me to do. Amen. <laughs> it's good to wait. because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Thank you, Father. Thank you for healing that heart condition tonight and the skin condition. Thank you that the psoriasis is being healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you for the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit tonight. Thank you that sciatica is being healed right now. The sciatica pain that goes down the hip and down the leg being healed right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I give you praise, I give you honor, and I give you glory. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, well be seated if you can. Hallelujah. What a joy and what an honor it is to be here tonight And to have experienced what we experienced this morning. My wife prophesied over me this morning what would happen in the service this morning. And it happened exactly as she said. Thank God. She said, if you just lift your hands and begin singing when you walk on the platform, the glory of God would just permeate the place. And that's exactly what happened. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad you're in a place where the Spirit of God has allowed freedom? I did not come to bring you three points in a poem, okay? And a hearty handshake. No, I came to see the manifest presence of God. And I thank God for that. Reba, I am so delighted to see you. It's been a long time. I was thinking this afternoon, uh, I was preaching on television And I said something to the effect of, it's not because of what I am, it's not because of what I've done, but instead it's because of whose I am. And she was watching in Nashville. And pardon? And listening. Yes, and listening. And she wrote that down and she wrote that song, because of whose I am. Did you all sing some of it last night? You sang with Brother Copeland last night? Well, that was a treat, I know. Get to be with him. Praise God. Uh, but thank you for writing that great song. Uh, praise the Lord. And a number of people do that. Uh, write songs uh, that uh, from sermons that my dad preached and, and write songs from sermons that I preached. It's, it's wonderful. Uh, David's uncle did that a lot. Vep, Vep uh, Ellis did that a lot. Um, I remember my dad preached a message, you can't go under for going over. And Vep wrote a song. You remember that? Did you know your uncle's song on that? Yeah, You did? Don't ask me to do it. Don't ask you to do it? (laughs) I won't ask you to do it. I'll do it for you. (laughs) I can't go under Uh for going over. The master is on board. I cannot go under for going over. Winds and waves obey His word. Wow. That his uncle wrote that in the middle of one of my dad's crusades when my dad preached on uh, "You can't go under for going over." Remember, the, Jesus said to the disciples, "Let us go over to the other side." He didn't say, "Let us go under."
2: That's right. Come on
1: now. And that came from what happened. Where's Brother Siegel? It happened from Pastor Pastor Charles Blair in Denver. Pastor Charles Blair of Calvary Temple went home to be with the Lord years ago. My dad was in Amarillo, New Mexico, uh, not Texas, not in New Mexico, Amarillo, Texas. I just gave it a new state. <laughs> and uh, he was in his 7,000 seat tent uh, in, in the summer of 1950. I was two years old, I was there. I was, I don't remember it, but I was there. And a tornado came across the field And they did not have any of the warning signals like they have today. You just just looked up and you saw a tornado coming and they announced, run for your life. (laughs) And there was a man who was on the front row in a wheelchair screaming for somebody to help him. And one of the men walked by and said, in the name of Jesus, come out of there. And he did. (laughs) People ran for their lives. Uh, uh, Apparently my mother, My mother put me in her arms and and took me and went under the the steel platform when the tornado hit. It destroyed the tent. It demolished it. They found pieces of the tent six miles away, but no one was seriously injured. No one was killed. And the next morning, the Amarillo newspaper uh, titled the headline, Saving of 7,000 Called Miracle. And uh, my dad went out the next morning to survey the, the tent and the damage, and it was destroyed was flat as a pancake. Even the the tent poles were just bent in half. And he was so depressed and discouraged, crying, weeping, because he had just bought that tent. Just spent all the money he had buying it. When Charles Blair, Denver, Colorado, Calvary Temple, sent a telegram, long before emails, and sent a telegram, said, Oral Roberts, you cannot go under for going over. And a spark of faith was lighted in my father's heart And he was able to believe God for a bigger tent, a better tent, a stronger tent. Now that next tent seated 12,000. And that's the tent that I spent so many nights in as I grew up. That's the tent that I remember. I can smell the sawdust on the ground now. It was a massive tent and a wonderful, wonderful atmosphere. And uh, oftentimes every seat would be filled and there would be uh, uh, people standing 10 deep around the tent. Sometimes 15, 20,000 people around that tent. And it didn't matter how cold it was or how hot it was. The people came. It was a different day in America, yes, yes. a different day. And people were hungry for the things of God. And he, he preached messages like turn your faith loose release your faith. Expect a miracle. Something good is going to happen to you. And those phrases captured people's imaginations. And they came by the thousands and he would give invitations and people would come forward and give their hearts to Christ. Sometimes two and three thousand at a time. Giving their hearts to the Lord. He would send them to what we call the prayer tent where the pastors would gather and get the names, the information, and, and follow up with the people, because my father was not going to stay in town, but the pastors were. And his he wanted to populate the church. You know. And so I remember those days and I remember those those great songs that were sung. God is a good God. Uh, expect a miracle every day. Things things that, that his uncle wrote. And so we've had a relationship with the Ellis family for, you know, since the 1800s. <laughs> so I was just uh, kind of reminiscing today. When I saw you, you know, it's been a long time. I like that hat, by the way. <laughs> Send that over to the house when you're through. Praise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Is it all right if I just uh, Do it. Yeah. Yeah. reminisce a little bit tonight? <laughs> like praise God I walked out of the, the auxiliar, auxiliary room over here where we had lunch today and I was just minding my own business have you ever been, just been minding your own business when all of a sudden the Lord just speaks to you oh, sir. Oh, yes, sir. you're not looking for it you're not expecting it I was trying to get to the car Josh was going to take, uh, take uh, Dr. Jeff and me back to the hotel and, and I I'd announced to you I had no idea what I was going to do tonight remember I said that this morning which was true I had no idea and I hadn't even given it a thought. And we were walking to the car, to the parking lot, all of a sudden the Lord said to me, put on a bigger coat. And I said, Lord, I'm in California. (laughs) I don't need a bigger coat. Now I will when I get home to Tulsa tomorrow night, where we have winter. (laughs) We don't mess around when we have weather, we have weather. They're predicting snow this week. We have weather. And the Lord said, Put on a bigger coat. And I said, What do you mean, put on a bigger coat? And so I got in the car and we went back to the hotel and I went up to the room and I got my Bible and um, I said, uh, I I better get something to write on. And I just started studying uh, uh, the Bible, looking for different things uh, concerning coats. And I thought, Well, this is going to be interesting tonight because I have no idea where the Lord's going with this and I oftentimes get messages like that. I know many of you pastors have the, have the same thing that happens and lots of times I get on a I get on the platform and the Lord says, don't preach what you prepared you know you do something different and you always say thank you for that Lord you know um, It happens a lot, doesn't it yeah but that's good. that helps you to be instant in and out of season helps you to be relevant, Amen. helps you to be sensitive to where people are, Amen. what their needs are, not where you think they are, but where they really are. And so I started writing and I write in tongues. And when I write it, I can't read it. I have to, I have to take a picture of it on my phone and send it to Lindsay so she can read to me what I wrote. And, I, and so I, I, I got on my phone and I, I text messaged it to myself. And then I had it enlarged so I could see it. <laughs> and then I called Jeff, who's across the hall, and said, "Take this downstairs and print this. Uh, I'm going to preach it tonight." And, uh, and so I enjoy stepping out on nothing yes. and believing that there'll be something out there when I step on it. <laughs> Put on a bigger coat. Open your Bibles to Genesis. Genesis chapter 41, verse 42. Hallelujah. Oh Lord, let's step it on nothing and believe that something will be there. Genesis, Genesis, where is Genesis? Genesis is to the left. I wish I could see Genesis. Here's the best way I know to see Genesis. Genesis 41, verse 42. And Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and put it upon Joseph's hand and arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. What did he do? Well, he put a new coat on Joseph. He put new clothing, a fine linen coat. If you were going to paint a house, if you're going to paint your house, you probably would do three things. First of all, you would use a coat of primary, primer. You'd, prime, you'd probably use three coats, primary and then you'd have an intermediate coat and then you'd use a top coat with color. Well, Joseph in a like manner wore three coats and I'm studying this, this afternoon in the word of God. And I, I said to the Lord, Lord, uh, now this morning I had on my evangelist hat, my healing evangelist hat, and there were a lot of miracles and we're hearing more as, as pastor Morgan said online. But tonight I want to put on my hat of encouragement. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage the entire congregation, but I especially want to encourage you that are directly in the ministry. And the Lord said, put on a bigger coat. The first coat that Joseph wore was a coat as a son. He was the 11th son of Jacob, and he was Jacob's favorite. Jacob loved him because he was born in Jacob's old age. He had a very special place in Jacob's heart and he loved him so much that he made a coat for him, a coat of many colors. It got Joseph into a lot of trouble. His brothers were very jealous. There's always going to be someone who's jealous of you. There's always going to be someone who wants what you have. And the brothers were very jealous of him. And especially when he would have dreams and visions and when he would share those dreams and visions. And his brothers became enraged and angry. And one day when they were out in the field, they plotted to kill him. But before they did it, they saw a caravan of Midianites coming and going through and being good Jewish businessmen. They decided that they would sell him and make money off of him. And they would take his coat off of him and they would splatter it with blood, sell him to the caravan and tell their father that he had been killed by a wild animal. And that's what they did. First of all, Joseph had a coat as a son. And the second coat he wore was a coat as a servant. He became a servant in the house of Potiphar. And no matter what he did, he rose. He kept getting stronger and stronger and Potiphar who was a high up Egyptian official liked him more and more and more and more until finally he put Joseph over all of his affairs. So he wore a a coat of service. He was a servant in the house until Potiphar's wife had eyes for him and she rolled her baby blue eyes at him and he picked them up and rolled them right back at her. (laughs) He said, no, thank you. And she was incensed that he would not give in to her desire for infidelity. He decided he would keep himself pure. And she got angry and claimed something that wasn't true. And it wasn't long before there was a mock trial and uh, 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 the the jury put him in prison. And he put on another coat. He put on the coat of a victim. And many a person today has been victimized and you've been lied on and you've been stolen from and you've been cheated from and you've had things taken away from you, perhaps even your inheritance. And I know what that feels like. And many of you have said, well, there's no way after what I have been victimized over, there's no way for me to come back. I want you to know that God is the God of a second chance. Now here's Joseph. He's had on a coat as a son. He's had on a coat as a servant. Now a coat uh, being victimized and now in prison. And he has an ability to interpret dreams and he interprets the dreams of several of the prisoners in the prison, wondering when he's going to get out. But he languishes in prison over and over and day after day and month after month and year after year until I'm sure he thought the dream must be a nightmare. And that's where some of you are tonight. You're wondering, you've had dreams and visions from God, but you think it's not ever going to come to pass. And one day Pharaoh had a dream and none of his astrologers, none of his uh, 1,900 operators could answer the, the dream. And someone remembered there was a man in prison who could interpret dreams and they called on Joseph and Joseph listened to the dream and gave the interpretation. There'll be seven years of plenty followed by seven years of famine. And Pharaoh was so pleased with the interpretation that he said, let us find a man. Let us find a man who can do, who can oversee this great gathering in for seven years. And Joseph, you're the man. And he put the ring on his hand and he put the garment around him. He put on a bigger coat than he had ever worn before. Put on a bigger coat. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 54 and verse 2. And let's get down to the heart of what I want to share with you and what the Lord showed me this afternoon in my hotel room. Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine habitations. Spare not, lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. We're seven days now into a new year, into the year 2024. My fellow ministers, It's time to step it up. It's time to do something that we haven't done. It's time to grow. It's time to prosper. It's time to be what the army says, all that you can be. It's time to strengthen your cords, lengthen your stakes. It's time to launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. This is 2024. Now, in the natural, it doesn't seem possible. With all that's going on in our world right now, with the war that's going on over in the Ukraine, with what's happening between Israel and Hamas and Hezbollah, with the, with the rockets and the, and the drones coming against our own uh, United States Navy, yeah. with what's happening in, uh, in, with the dictator in Northern Korea yeah. who's launching out weapons now, and, uh, and taunting the United States with what's happening in our own country and our own nation with the economy,
2: right.
1: yeah. Come on. with the government who doesn't seem to know which is right and which is left. Come on. Right. And we just voted more and more and more spending of money that we don't have. Right. Come on. And it looks like the country's going to hell in a handbasket, like. but I have news. Come on now. God has not fallen off the throne and they're coming against churches. They're coming against Christian universities. The government just filed the largest suit ever in the history of the nation against a Christian university in Colorado. It looks bad. Well, it looked bad on Friday also. But Sunday was coming. It looked bad when they hung him high and stretched him wide and put him in a borrowed grave. But Sunday was coming. Resurrection was coming. And it may look bad in the situation you're in right now. But God has not fallen off the throne. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did in Bible days, he's still doing these days. Pastor Craig just made that very clear a moment ago with the scripture from Exodus. Because he's God. He's God. And we just sang it because he's God. By the way, I want you to come sing on my program. Will you do that? Yes, sir. Okay, thank you. That's an invitation. I'll be in touch. Now turn over to Isaiah 43. Verses 18 and 19. When Lindsay and I held the body of our firstborn child, Richard Oral, in our arms. When he died in my arms in the intensive care unit of St. John's Medical Center in Tulsa. This is the scripture that the Lord gave me. And this is what brought me through. Consider ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. That's the scripture that God gave us. We prayed and we prayed and the the words seemed to bounce off the ceiling and hit us in the face. And that's when we began to pray in tongues and when we began to stop and then pray in English and our own understanding as the apostle Paul taught in first Corinthians 14 and what we spoke in tongues. And then what we prayed in English began to give us comfort. Yes, yes. And we put this scripture up on the wall in our home. Consider ye not the former things. Neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Now, when is now? It's now. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. Yes. My, did we need a way in the wilderness and did we need a way in the desert? But God has a way. In fact, God is the way. He said, I am the way. What's coming? What's coming that's holding you back from doing all that God has put in your heart? What is it? Is it a lack of understanding? Is it a lack of money? Is it a lack of, uh, of, of, uh, of understanding how to do what God has called you to do? Is it, is it a fear of stepping out? Is it a fear of launching out into the deep waters? Surely that must have been what Peter felt when Jesus said, launch out into the deep waters and let down your nets for a catch, because that was something that Peter didn't do. Peter did not fish during the daylight hours because the waters of the Sea of Galilee are crystal clear. And if you were to throw the net over, the fish would see the net in the broad daylight and uh, and they would swim the other way. So Peter fished at night in the dark of the moon. And they stayed near the shore because their boats weren't constructed strong enough to withstand the winds and waves that could come up almost from nowhere on the Sea of Galilee because the Sea of Galilee is located 200 feet below sea level. And was subject to violent storms almost without notice. And they wouldn't be able to get back to shore in time and they could drown. And so they fished near the shore. They fished where it was safe. Now, are you in a place where your ministry is safe? Oh, hello. Or do you want to take a risk? Risk. Risk is, it's, it's, risk is risky. <laughs> it's, it's risky to take a risk. It's dangerous to step out there on nothing and believe that God's going to put something under your feet when you do. It's risky to stand before your congregation and say, we're going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to do this. And you go home and say, oh my God, how in God's name are we going to do that?
2: <laughs> Hello. Yeah.
1: Every one of you ministers, you have something in your heart that you've not yet done. Right. And the clock is running. I just celebrated my 75th birthday and yet there are a lot of things I know I'm supposed to do. And there's longevity in my family. And I intend to be preaching for a long time. My grandparents lived into their 90s. My father lived until his 90s. And I know there's much more for me to do. I have more places to go, more places to preach, more places to pour out what's in me. For the third, third of my life. Where I teach what I have learned to do. But I'm not the only one with that call in my life. You now, as senior men and women, you have that same calling on your life. So what is holding you back? What is holding you back? Now, I'm not just preaching this to you. I'm preaching it to me. My father once said to me, Richard, the best preaching I do is when I'm preaching to myself. He said, because if I can get myself to believe it, I can make others believe it. He also said, you haven't preached a message until you preached it seven times. It can't really get in you until you preached it seven times and you haven't heard it until you've heard it seven times. What's holding you back? What's keeping you from doing all that God wants you to do? Well, you say, there's so many things going on in our nation. I, I, I want to be careful. Well, I understand being careful. I want to be careful too. But I don't want to be so careful that I'm walking backwards instead of forwards. In the economy, it doesn't look good. But God supersedes the economy. If he can provide that manna that Pastor Craig talked about, he can provide it for you. Because he's no respecter of persons. What he did, he's still doing. And we have a bright future. It may look dark in the natural, but in the supernatural realm, it's bright. It's bright. There is an end time transfer of wealth that is coming. I want to read you something that I came across just the other day. I didn't realize that I could use it in this message tonight. It's a prophetic word given by Charles Capps. Before Charles was a dear friend of mine, went home to be with the Lord. He said this, financial inversion shall increase in these days. For you see, it is my desire to move in the realm of your financial prosperity. But release me, saith the Lord. Release me that I may move on your behalf for yet there shall be in this hour financial distress here and there. The economy shall go up and shall go down but those that learn to walk in the word they shall see prosperity come forth in this hour in a way that has not been seen by men in past days. Yes, there is coming a financial inversion in the world's system. It's been held in reservoirs of wicked men for days on end, but the end is near. Those reservoirs shall be tapped and shall be drained into the gospel of Jesus Christ. It shall be done in the time allotted, and so shall it be. The word of the Lord shall come to pass that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. But it shall be, saith the Lord, that the word of the Lord shall rise within people, people of God of low esteem in the financial world shall claim the word of God to be their very own and walk in the light of it. And they will give. They will begin to give small at first because that's all they have, but it will increase. And through the hundredfold return, so shall it be that the reservoirs that have held the riches in days past shall return to the hands of the giver. And the reservoirs shall be lost from the wicked and turn to the gospel. We're living in that day. The time is now. I'm setting my faith on it being in 2024. Why a financial inversion? Because of the end time harvest of souls. Because this gospel the gospel of the kingdom must be preached in all nations as a witness. And then, and only then shall the end come. Now there are Yehus out there that are making all kinds of predictions. And I use that term Yehu nicely. You know what I'm talking about. I know one right now who says it's all going to end on June 11. Well, It's amazing that he knows and Jesus doesn't. But this gospel must be preached in all nations as a witness. And then shall the end come. It can't be me and my four and no more. There's got to be an expansion. We've got to lengthen and strengthen. We've got to spread out. And the devil's not going to stop us. He can't stop us. Now we may have skirmishes and we have we may wind up with battle scars. That's what you get when you're in a war. But you keep coming back. Yes. Yes. Amen. Dr. Jerry Seville, friend of ours for 40 years, told me he was walking through a shopping mall in Dallas. And a black man was walking through the mall and he had on a white suit and white shoes and white socks and he had a white cane and a white hat and he had a white flower and a white handkerchief and a white tie and he was attracting a lot of attention walking strutting through the mall and Jerry said I watched him and he came to the escalator to go down and he strutted onto the escalator about halfway down as he was dancing he slipped and fell And began to tumble head over heels to the next floor. And when he arrived at the bottom, he looked around and said, well, all right. (laughs) Though I fall, I shall arise. I shall get up. Now look, everyone here has had setbacks. There's not a person here who has not experienced some kind of setbacks. Yep. Some of my setbacks have setbacks on top of each other. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I'm gonna quit. Yeah, that's right. the scripture says in Galatians, be not weary yeah. in your well-doing right. for you shall reap in due season. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. When is the season? I believe it's now. But it's not going to happen automatically. Right. No. Yes, it's going to happen, but I think we can help facilitate it. Yes. Yes. I think we can call that which is not oh. as though it is. Yeah. I think we can command the devil to take his filthy, dirty, rotten, stinking hands off. Yeah. I think we can say, "You take your hands off of our health. Yeah. You take your hands off of our money. You take your hands off of our family. You take your hands off of our buildings. Off of our. Off of all that God has told us to do." That's
0: it. Yes. yes that was-
1: I think we can have a stronger anointing than we have now. That's what my wife was saying to me this morning. You you can have a stronger anointing. You You can walk in a stronger glory if you just do it, if you launch out and not be ashamed and not be afraid of what somebody might think or what somebody might say. It doesn't matter to me what the world thinks. What matters to me is what he thinks what he thinks that's important to me. And I'm willing to take a risk. Peter took a risk. He launched out into the deep where he didn't normally fish. Only the small fish were along the shore. The big fish were out in the deep water. And when those fish hit the net (laughs) and Peter felt that jerk on his shoulders, he knew had experienced, he was experiencing a net breaking, boat sinking load of miracles. Uh And when he finished, he said, Lord, be merciful to me. Uh, Depart from me. I'm a sinful man. No, Peter, you get up and I'll make something out of your life. Come on. And you know, some of us in this room are holy messes. (laughs) You're holy, but you're a mess. And you're involved in messes. And you've been through things and you're going through things now. And you may go through something else when you get out of here. Because if you're serving God, the devil's gonna come against you with everything he's got. But greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And you ministers here in the front, you have you have things that God has spoken to you to do that you've not yet done. And I have them too. So I'm speaking to myself as well. And we've got to make a Holy Ghost decision. We're gonna do it. How we're gonna do it, I don't know. Any more than my father knew how he was gonna get a new tent, but he did it.
0: That's right.
1: He did it. Every time he would announce to me we're going to build a building, he'd say, let's get a couple of shovels and dig a hole and put some money in it. We didn't know how we were going to do it. We'd take a shovel and go out and dig a little hole and throw some $20 bills in there and start calling something that wasn't as though it was. And wound up building it and paying cash for it. If we can do it, you can do it. But you got to decide. There is no such thing as indecision. You either decide or you decide not to decide. There's indigestion, but not indecision. (laughs) And I want to bring you a word of encouragement tonight. You can do it. 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 it. It made no sense for Pastor Nancy, who has a prosperous church here in Southern California to go on television five days a week. I've done that in my life. I know what that takes. I did it for many, many years. I understand what it takes. It made no sense, but God spoke to her to do it. And she said, okay, I'll launch out into the deep and I'll let down my nets for a catch. Aren't you glad you obeyed the Lord? And aren't I glad you obeyed the Lord? Because your TV ministry is a blessing. Touching the lives of people and it's not injuring the church. Yeah. And some reason, sometimes ministers don't do something because they're afraid it will, it will hurt the church. Stop worrying about that. If it's of God, it isn't gonna hurt your church. If it's of the Lord, the Lord will take care of it. And so I want to encourage you tonight, and I'm encouraging myself, because I've been dilly-dallying, have you ever dilly-dallied around? I'm dilly-dallying around on some things that I know God wants me to do. And I'm about, it's about time for me to get off my you-know-what <laughs> and do what God has told me to do. Yes. And I'm not the only person in that condition. Yes. And I think that's why the Lord gave me that message tonight. Put on a bigger coat. Joseph did it. And he went from the pit... To the prison, to the palace. He put that fine garment on. It was a bigger coat. He not only saved the nation of Egypt, but he saved the nation of Israel because of his obedience. And you can do the same thing if you just say, I'm going to do it. Well, how? I don't know how. That's not my business. I'm not in management. I'm in sales. My job is not to tell you how to do it. That's God's business. If you make a commitment to do it, whatever it is, God will make a way. He'll make a way. Cast the past behind you. Consider not the former things. The past is the past. The only thing you can do with the past is give it to God. Bury the ghost and stop digging it up. Bury it and launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Can I have a hand microphone for just a moment? Um, I want to do something a little unusual tonight, Pastor Nancy. I want uh, Pastor Craig to come and stand with me. I want Pastor Ike to come and stand with me. I want Pastor Debbie to come and stand with me. And I want Pastor Jay to come and stand with me. I want to have a response tonight. I want to know what what God is saying to you tonight through what I'm ministering because I had a very strong urgency this afternoon that I was not to have a specific healing service tonight, but that I was to bring a word of encouragement. I want to ask what the Lord is saying to you tonight about launching out.
0: It takes faith. I have been stepping out into some things, Dr. Roberts, and I didn't know how to do it. I I had... God talked to me about starting a second church. I had, and I kept saying, somebody else needs to pastor, and I can't pastor two churches, five hours apart. And I kept saying, Lord, how do I do this? And Pastor Nancy spoke. I asked, talked to Pastor Nancy about it. She said, just do what you've got a prompting to do. As I've taken every step, every single thing has fallen into place. Every single thing. As I took the step, everything is, every single thing has, launched, has fallen into place. And there's other things in front of me that you're asking me about what you're encouraging me about. There's other things in front of me that he's talking to me and saying, you see how easy that was when you stepped out? You see how easy that was? The next thing's just as easy. But I got to take the step. Thank you, sir.
1: Pastor Debbie, what's the Lord saying to you tonight about this?
2: Well, we have a piece of property. It's not ours, but we've been looking at it for several years. We have spoken over it, and it seemed like it was moving along, and then it just stopped. And so now another step has to be taken, you know. And, and, and really, I need the wisdom to know what to do. But this was encouraging to know that doesn't matter how long it's been, you know, there's still, God, God's still in it.
1: Pastor Ike, you live in another part of the world. Different culture. Yes. Sir. Nigeria is, is a totally different place. What, what are you hearing from the Lord tonight about this? He's reminded
0: me, he told me to hold faith seminar in major cities in Nigeria, and I've only done two. And when I got to the second one, everything else he's been telling me began to make sense. So tonight as you were encouraging us, I was seeing myself going and obeying him and bringing faith to the people. <laughs> Pastor Craig. Uh, For our ministry, there's some changes and more international. And the biggest concern that I've had over the last number of months is exactly what you said. Is this going to hurt the church? How is the church going to handle it? You know, when changes come, not everybody wants the changes. But as we started to step out just a little bit, I realized that it didn't hurt the church. It's actually helping the church and the church is growing, but another thing, sir, until people obey that first instruction, uh, there was no, I didn't know certain other things, I've been waiting and praying, and Lord, what about this, what about that, and he was silent until I obeyed putting on that bigger coat. When I obeyed the instruction, then he started talking, and I realized, well, he's not gonna tell you stuff until you obey the first thing he told you to do, and do it in faith and not in fear. He
1: we'll won't give you step two without giving you step one. Yeah. Yeah, but we want one, two, and three, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And we want it hot. Yeah. And we're going to sue if it's not hot. I thank you all. Pastor Jeff, would you come a minute? Sister Ramos, would you come up a moment, please? When I said sister, I wasn't talking to him. Pastor Cody, would you come up? What's the Lord saying to you through this tonight?
0: Well, there's just a momentum going on in our church right now, something that has not happened. We, we just celebrated, or we will be celebrating our 25th anniversary. And so it just gives me encouragement to really step out there, mm-hmm. because for for those many years, I've held back, mm-hmm. because I didn't think that I was capable, or I'm qualified, or I have the... The means, the guts, and everything to do it. But now I know That's I what I was it. talking about. That's right, exactly.
1: That's why I said it. Yes. I said it just for you.
0: That's right. I can receive it. Yeah.
1: Pastor Chris. Uh, you just preached
2: this for me. Oh, I to it's n- mine. No, it's mine. <laughs> 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 I'm so thankful. Wait a minute,
1: wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Now you can come to Paducah. (laughs) In Canada, at the Miracle Crusade, I was minding my own business, praising the Lord. And the Lord told me, I want you to revive Harvest Conference. Well, that was a large, large meeting that my home pastor used to do. It's not done anymore. And I've known he's wanted me to do it. I have the week. I've taken some steps. But it's the largest financial commitment on a meeting that we would host ever. Uh, in our church, and uh, I'm doing that meeting. I, I'm gonna, I'm, yeah, I, I had asked God, Father, I just, I know what he can, the economy's like, what our financial obligations are. This would be great if you could confirm this. And, <laughs> a little scary, isn't it? <laughs> it here we go. And, uh, you know, God has called me to travel as well, and uh, I still have pastoring big in my heart. And I have wondered about the impact on the church and nothing on their side. They're just so gracious, but just to embolden tonight, he tells me to go. I'm going and my church will be just fine.
1: Pastor Jeff.
0: Mine is very similar to uh, Pastor Cody's. Uh, I've known for years that I should be traveling more. I've traveled some in the past about 25 years ago and so that is one of the areas and then I've got a whole family of preachers and we, don't, you know, we only have a church and uh, I've got to get out, get out more but then I've got to, get to facilitate some things as far as for other, other churches so that's uh, and get out of the, the comfort zone mm-hmm. so thank you very much
1: out of the comfort zone into the sweet spot <laughs> out of the comfort Hallelujah. zone thank you all Out of the comfort zone into the sweet spot. That'll preach right there. Out of the comfort zone into the sweet spot. Are you hearing me? Out of the comfort zone into the sweet spot. They say that when a mountain climber cannot go any higher and darkness begins to fall, That instead of panicking, he ties himself against the rocks. And it doesn't matter how cold it gets, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable he is. What matters is he's there in the morning.
2: That's right. That's good. Amen. That's so good. Amen.
1: As for me and my house, I will be there in the morning. I'll be taking the devil on. I'll be sowing my seed. I'll be releasing my faith. I'll be believing for God to open me my windows of heaven and pour me out a blessing so much so that there's not enough room to receive it. I will put that coat on me and I will strive to do the best that I know how to do. And God will help me do the rest. You know, he doesn't expect us to do it all. He just expects us to do our part. Without me, he will not. But without him, I cannot. It's a divine reciprocity between God and me. He isn't going to do my part. And I can't do his part. But if I will do my part, if I'll be obedient, and he will do his part. Stand with me, please. Yes. The Lord is not interested in your sacrifice. A lot of people think that's what Christianity is, sacrifice. No. It's not a sacrifice. It's a joy and an honor. Yes, it is a joy. The prophet said to the king, obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken to God than to the fat of rams. Thank God. It's not a sacrifice. It's a seed. And God has a way of multiplying seed. And he takes that which seems impossible to men turns them into miracles. And so I encourage you. I encourage you ministers and also you who are in the laity that are here tonight. You can do it. You can go beyond where you think you can go. You can do more. When we were building buildings, there was a man in Tulsa who would come out occasionally to inspect the buildings. And he would say to my father, Dr. Roberts, you can do better. And he said it so many times, my dad would start getting angry at him. (laughs) What do you mean? We're doing this, this great construction? He said, "No, you can do better." Always pushing him to go one step further. You can go one step further. You can do it. I can do it. Lift your hands unto Him tonight and say, "Father, tonight Tonight, I make a fresh commitment. commitment. What You've told told me to do." When I heard you speak in my heart, I'm going to do. I don't know exactly how, but as I take one step at a time, you will show me and you will pave the way. You'll make a way where there's no way. You'll make rivers in the desert. You'll make a path of righteousness for me, and I'll be obedient. I'll do what you say. I'll keep myself focused on the future because the future is mine in Jesus' name. Hallelujah.
0: We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.